0: I'm sitting in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia today, and I'm joined, strangely enough, by a fellow futurist, uh, but a Swedish one. I'm not sure if that adds more or less information to the title, but it's Magnus Lindquist. Uh, We're both a bit jet lagged. Uh, We both are a bit red eyed, but we're both very happy to see each other. Magnus, it's good to see
1: you. Likewise, um, I was saying just when I gave you a hug that being follically challenged when I meet you and your, your mane of hair, Mike, I'm always
0: happy. <laughs> I just, I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> I, I, I was amused when I asked how I could best introduce you and you said, uh, Transporter and uh, Futurist, I mistook through your thick Swedish accent that you said transporter. Yeah, I, mean, I thought you encountered that. some new sexy, dangerous uh, job of transporting goods in Audis across countries.
1: Transporter, I get train spotter a lot. I think my Swedishness shines through certain colloquialisms and pronunciations. So, um, but I, I started by calling myself a trend spotter in two thousand and three,
0: right.
1: and then I realized that I was also a little bit interested not just about where things were, but where they were going. And then I started saying futurist, and I was a futurist in residence at an ad agency. Um, and then somebody said that futurists were actually a kind of Italian art movement.
0: Yes, yeah, who were much cooler than we are. It, it, much cooler,
1: but later on associated with the fascists. So I felt there was a little bit of baggage. And then uh, Ian Pearson, formerly of British Telecom, invented the word futurologist.
0: See, I'm very suspicious of anything with a with a with a suffix ologist in yeah, it. Yeah, but I, I mean, if you think about it, there's astrologist. Urologist.
1: Yes. Neurologist. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, but I, I don't mind that people are… I am myself a little bit skeptical of these titles. I mean, they are non-protected. Anyone can use them. And
0: I… You, my background… You didn't get your Futurology certificate? Certificate online.
1: No, I didn't. Um, and, but… And I was one of those people who never really knew where I would end up and what I would end up doing. I felt that I was good at something or that I at least wanted to have some kind of creative outlet. So I use these titles a little bit tongue-in-cheek. I mean I, I am serious about what I do but I I don't take much pride in it. Put it that way. <laughs> that makes sense. I always do,
0: there's some interesting writing and thinking about this lately. Uh, there's a book talking about the rise of thought leaders at the expense of public academics oh, wow. and, and, and you know essentially the premise is is that there's been a loss of, of trust in institutions and traditional knowledge mm. but we seem to get our minds around the TED talk as a, you know as the kind of the mini encapsulation of, of, of ideas it's simple it's provocative and you can digest it in between looking at Instagram so I, I would be there's this
1: line of thinking in society, that things kind of have to be new and a little bit before everybody else gets it to be good. Yeah. And as
0: soon as certainly viral jokes work, that way. viral <laughs> jokes, no one was no one's impressed by the guy that sends around the meme that was funny two weeks ago. No,
1: uh, absolutely. And but similarly, the whole TED talk format, which means that you have a very short period of time, maybe it's less than two weeks. Just said, in which things are fresh, inspiring, useful, um, and then they just get put on the cesspile of, of doubt and, and and online vitriol and <laughs> hatred. So, um, this
0: is an interesting point, though. I mean, do, do you think that is the job of people who look to the future to actually just be two weeks ahead of everybody else?
1: Nine days, yeah. <laughs> Possibly. Now, I don't. So, my. I take my job, the way I see my job is that I. These days, I assume that most people have read or heard about the most common stories. Yeah. You know, the self-driving cars and the job-stealing robots and the quantum computing and the rise of Asia and the, the coming century of Africa. I mean, all of these common stories they will have read in a newspaper or in a book somewhere so my job i try to make it to is to rewrite a little bit of that re rethink it um go over the assumptions we have made um
0: because you're right i mean probably just as disturbing as the ubiquity of that super narrative about the future sure it's just how consistent it is yeah Uh, i mean it's almost like no one questions that there Um, will be a tesla driving us around and that We'll all be using Apple devices and no, exactly. to our speakers,
1: and no, no, I mean, it's as
0: if we want
1: to be enslaved by six Silicon Valley companies, and um, yeah, there's a, there's a masochistic streak in society as a whole and how we talk about the future. Oh, please, yes. Come, take our jobs, we don't need them anywhere. Wreck our, wreck our homes, wreck our world, monitor us. I mean, but we're so scared of it. But I, I, I think it's. I mean, look, I was a bit carried away there. I realized that a lot of this comes from people who want to sell talks and books. And a great way of doing that is to frighten people. I mean, look at the success of horror movies and roller coasters. People enjoy the kind of controlled thrill. Like it I, feels a little bit frightening. I,
0: I don't. I don't entirely agree with that. I, I think fear is a big part of it. But I, I'm more disturbed in some ways by this very Silicon Valley meta narrative that the world is better with smartphones. Yeah. Um, in that, you know, and this is typical of TED talks. Is yeah. You take a bunch of isolated facts and um, you stitch that to some story of some kind of convergence or an idea or. <laughs> A movement and you add an app to it, yeah, and suddenly it looks revolutionary, but but it's actually probably still the same persecution or yeah. you know, disaster, just now it's on your small screen.
1: No, I agree. I mean, I there has continually been um a backlash. I mean, Yevgeny Morozov's to save everything, click here, it's about five years. Five years old now, and that was his whole point. Why do we pin these high hopes on fairly mundane technology to solve problems, big and small? What he what he what he dubbed the solutionism. Um, you know, the electron, uh, the, the smart toothbrush who can feel and anticipate.
0: He was one of the first people to talk about filter bubbles, too. Obviously. Yeah.
1: no, Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I've I've dabbled in that. Um, part as well. My first book was called Everything We Know Is Wrong. And it was a, intended to be a trend spotter's handbook. And it took a lot of those, well, here's what we think and where the world is heading, but here's how you can think about it in another way. So I think um, what this proves is that it's really hard for anyone to break out of the zeitgeist unless you want to make lots of enemies or be completely ignored. Right. So you need to, as long as you have, and I, I mean, I run a, I do what I do for professional reasons to earn money, to earn a a comfortable middle class living. So I cannot be too alienating or too enemy making in what I do. It
0: frustrates me. Oh, but you can on this podcast because I'm almost fuck everything. (laughs) I think the seven second delay is just tapped out. So well, I, think just, I think you just cost me my uh, my iTunes uh, is just going to see you have to cut that out. I'm sorry. You know, I will absolutely leave it in. Yeah. Um, Beep it. But, but you know, th- this, this is, you know, this is actually to some extent. And, and this was a long lead up to something I should have said right away with to the book that you've just recently written, um, which is Minifesto. Yes. Um,
1: Why Manifesto? why small ideas matter in a world of grand narratives. Yes,
0: and, um, and I mean, the future is probably the best example of a grand sustaining narrative, isn't it?
1: It's become, I mean, the future has become God in a secular world, in an yeah. increasingly secular world. What's going to happen? What's going to provide us? What's going to be the big equalizer? What will provide justice? in a world where we don't necessarily believe in deities or gods at least not. But as speech. you say it
0: also supports a lot of assumptions about you know, the cloud, the way we manage data, mm. the, the, the kind of the rise of these mega corporations Sure. Uh, a lot of the future that we uh, now assume, thats sort of part mm. and parcel of every Silicon Valley conference mm. has a whole web of assumptions that people don't really call out anymore No Exactly.
1: And the book manifesto. The idea I got was when I listened to a story about um, James Macklemore, who um, he ran a, a, a couple of burger restaurants in Florida. Who weren't then they weren't doing particularly well. It's a little bit of a McDonald's clone. And he learned that in Jacksonville, northern Florida, they had um, there was a wildly successful competitor. And they just invested in a brand new, shiny, sleek, 50s, diner-like restaurant who was empty all the time. So he was interested. So he drove up there. And he sees his beautiful restaurant abandoned and across the street what is, in essence, a shotgun shack. Hmm. Uh, You know, like an outdoor toilet. Line around the block. People lining up to have a burger. So he, he gets in line, goes up, and he tastes just this divine flame-grilled burger and and it's a eureka moment almost for him. He drives down back from Jacksonville to his home in Miami and he stops along the way to buy bourbon and Dr. Pepper because he wants to get a little bit drunk. This is the 50s. People do that. And in his stupor whilst driving he um, he realizes how he's going to recreate that burger, he's going to R&D, rip off and duplicate it in his restaurant. And from out of nowhere, the name, he's going to call it the Whopper. And he launched the Whopper, he changed or he he tweaked the name. It was called Insta Burger King, he dropped the Insta. And the rest is, is history, it built the foundation for something completely new and different. And it came around from a dude driving drunk on a Florida highway in the middle of the night. That's not a recipe. Right. If you and I drove drunk here tonight.
0: It, it, it's also not necessarily a chain of causation. No, 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 <laughs> exactly. No.
1: no. what I mean? Uh, a lot of people want to have, you know, so get on a car, mix Dr. Pepper and bourbon on the streets of Malaysia tonight and fame and fortune will be yours. That's not the way it works but it's how something very big can come from something very small. How something that shaped the world, well we can belittle the whopper all we want, but it's it's a, it's one brick in pop or eating culture at least. It came around from this personal moment and then this contrarianism, driving drunk, but also how being a little bit drunk puts us in a state of mind to find new and different ideas. It just inspired me. So I wrote yeah. a book with those anecdotes. Everything from Depeche Mode composing Enjoy the Silence to the invention of graphene that won the Nobel well, I Prize. Wanna, I want to hear
0: about both of oh, those.
1: Yeah. Now?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So graphene
1: is interesting because it's the... Oh, I'm sorry. Um, graphene is interesting because it came from the the only person who's ever won both the Ig Nobel Prize for <laughs> how to levitate a frog using magnets and the Nobel Prize. Did, did,
0: did he succeed in that task? Yes, ah, okay. he did. So he
1: won the Ig Nobel Prize and um, then he won the Nobel Prize. Wow. And his idea was that science should just be fun and play. So he's in a university in the UK and every Friday he says it's playtime. So anybody who's been to to academic institutions, now they're pretty boring places. There's a lot of people sitting by themselves in rooms. Labs uh, or or trials are notoriously difficult and cumbersome and tedious to design. And once the magic happens, there isn't really anything magic. And then you document it. Even if it's a failure, yeah, we hoped it was going to happen, nothing happened. And then you put it in a journal that very few people read. <laughs> so he said Friday afternoon should be playtime. And one, one of those Friday sessions, he and a doctoral student decided to um, see how, how thin they could make carbon. So they started using just sellotape peeling off a pencil narrow slivers of carbon and they do sort of peeling 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 until they came up with something that was ultra light but because it was carbon also ultra strong and because it was carbon also conducive to electricity yes. and this is what became graphene which is still in its infancy people are looking at it saying we're going to use it to do amazing things where are we going to start?
0: But But it was a very Non-directed exploratory, process. playful, fun um,
1: thing. I think the quote attributed him is. I, I put the quote in the books. So I'm probably going to misquote it. But he said something along the lines of, "If there is no play, there is really no point in doing it." Well,
0: g- given that I now have the context that the previous week he was levitating frogs with giant magnets, yes. or previous year, yeah, it, it makes total sense. Yeah, it does.
1: <laughs> the Nobel and Nobel. So, and I think anyway um, going on to Depeche Mode and then we can put start to put some rules and context into the manifesto So Depeche Mode um, is a quartet in the late 80s early 90s and like I, many
0: bands, I, I, I please hope for the future of the race that at least some people in this podcast actually know who Depeche Mode is yeah because that okay. would be terrible. let me do this the
1: economist way Depeche <coughs> Mode uh, a British electronic music group. Uh, that's how uh, McKinsey, <laughs> a consultancy. It's fantastic. I think The Economist is a wonderful way of just simply explaining to people. So, Depeche Mode, English musical group, very famous, lots of Spotify plays. Very emo. Very emo, yeah, and have been for 40 years. Yeah. So, they're a quartet, and like many bands, there is friction in the band. We've seen it in Oasis, we saw it in the Rolling Stones.
0: The Spice Girls. The Spice Girls
1: split up. Most bands actually do split up. Van Halen because there is friction. There's something very valuable in friction. So, here is Depeche Mode. They've had some success with the former two albums, Black Celebration and Music for the Masses. They've toured America and now it's time to Make the new album, which is always difficult. You write books, I write books. When you're on to the next project, it's always difficult to start. What to do, will the energy be there? Imagine if there's four of you in different directions. So, the lead songwriter of Depeche Mode is this Long, curly haired guy called Martin Gore, he looks a bit like a cherubic angel. <laughs> um, he writes all the songs and he comes into the studio with a ballad, a demo ballad that you can find and listen to on YouTube, the demo, of a song called Enjoy the Silence and it's just an organ and Martin Gore singing, words are very... Unnecessary. I mean, it sounds like something that would come very late on the album, possibly be B-side. Now, the other musical driver in the group who doesn't write, but he's, he's really good at producing and arranging, is Alan Wilder, piano virtuoso. And the others kind of bully him and claim he has no friends. And he probably doesn't, because he's, <laughs> he's the one being awake throughout the night, cleaning things up in the studio. He's the one programming all the keyboards for when they go out on tour. So he's really one of those musical gifted introverts.
0: And bands have long terrorized the keyboardists. Exactly.
1: <laughs> well, and the, well, there are three of them, but this he's the most keyboardy of them. So um, he says, maybe just to wind Martin Gore, the Cherubic Angel guy up, he says, why don't we turn it into a disco song? And Martin Gore, of course, is furious, probably storms out of the room, but the other guys are like, yeah, let's try it. So they just start by sampling a disco beat. You know, disco do, 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 see it by the way I walk and ladies. man. So they take that very common disco beat and you have that ballad and a disco beat and something interesting happens. They are recording in poop Studios in Jutland, Denmark now. You've been to Denmark. You know that this Copenhagen, vibrant cosmopolitan city should have been the capital of Scandinavia. Jutland on the other hand is full of absolutely nothing. There's like cattle and wind, which means that there's less distractions. So Depish mode can be indoors all day, no sex, drugs, and rock and roll, just nerding themselves down, and they they experiment with a new type of modular synthesizer and they're able to find a really funky bass to go with the the disco Basses is a little bit like do 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 we must also bear in mind that this is this is nearly 30 years ago so this was this was groundbreaking stuff and this is something something interesting is happening now they transformed this ballad into some kind of disco funk but they want to keep a little bit of that sad quality and then they pull off a Magnificent trick because they they come up with a melody line which makes you feel that you don't really know if it's a happy or a sad song it's a little bit difficult to hear it in the song but it's it runs on top it's like ABBA would always do the same thing. They would mix the minor with a major key. so you you wouldn't know if you were listening to a happy or a sad
0: song. And I always say it was you, almost like modal like, uh, like rather than normal major minor. right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. But it, you should always make things a paradox if you want to make people addicted to it. Somebody called it paradescence, a paradoxical essence. Coffee, famously, has a strong paradescence. It's both relaxation, coffee break and stimulation caffeine. Uh, social media being together alone, strong paradescence. So these paradescences and the music, they just drive people mad. It's almost
0: like clickbait for your mind. Clickbait
1: for the mind, yeah, it's, it's some kind of drug. In the future, we'll know why. Then they bring Martin Gore back and proudly um, show off their new piece. And he's, of course, furious that they've ruined his masterpiece. The way many songwriting geniuses function, so they ask him, why don't you come up with a melody line? And he takes the, the worst sound you can find on a synthesizer and just starts tearing into it, just to, to, to piss the others off. And of course today, if we don't like what people say, we just block them, censor them. But back then we listened, and in that noise they were able to find uh, a melody line that they were, even, they were able to convince him to play it on guitar a synth band playing guitar that's like it's like a heavy metal band playing keyboards it's, it's controversial and that was the icing on the enjoy the silence cake the famous guitar lick doo doo and this is the big crossover hit from Depeche Mode, by far their biggest success story, number one single, still has the most place on YouTube and Spotify, and it's also the last big hit that Depeche Mode had, because creative friction, this dislike, and mixing of elements and personalities, is so cautious that by the next album, they had retreated into their own corners, hated each other bitterly, and Alan Wilder, introvert keyboard virtuoso, would leave the band. And since then, they've been more of a kind of heritage band, I think. Um,
0: but you know, what's yeah. the story about that story is not just the you know, the creative friction that created genius, but mm. It started as a joke. Yeah. Uh, Why don't we turn into disco song? Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and in a way, like the levitating frog and yeah. the graphene, there was this.
1: Well, the word software. It's
0: in the book as well. The guy
1: yeah. who invented the word software. It was just a joke, because they used to call things hardware. Like there were hardware stores, and they joked that computers were hardware. And he said, "Well, what goes in them is software." ha 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 ha! And then later on, it's that's what we it call stuck. it. Yeah. Yeah. And. What I wanted to do with the manifesto, and what I hopefully conveyed a little bit, at least in the Depeche Mode story here, um, is that we need to be playful with the future. We need to treat it as a piece of fun, but a little bit meaningless. We can't just have these big, overbearing, godlike narratives that will strike down upon us, because we will be slaves.
0: To and, the future. and also, I mean, you're right you're very right about this because sometimes it's almost like there's this adjustment bureau you know like yeah. these kind of rand IBM types with little black ties who yeah. who go off in a room and determine what the future should look like right um, actually I just realized we're speaking at a conference whose very purpose is to do yeah, um. I mean, that's what and, 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 <laughs> but, I but I mean, it, yeah. it, it's reassuring because we feel like we have a measure of control. But if you say to people that the next great idea, which will fundamentally transform life on this planet is probably going to be thought up by, a, you know, like some alcoholic, you know, while he's yeah. fooling around in his backyard, yeah. people feel terrified by that. Yeah. The next Einstein
1: has already been born, but she's a computer programmer, as somebody said, or she's a computer games maker. Um, And yeah, and I'm not really sure. I've tried to turn the manifesto into a speech a couple of times and it doesn't really work. And I think it's because the best speeches give you the convenience of conviction. Things are going this way, period. They don't want to hear the ambivalence of, or they could be, or they they want, one of the most difficult things to live with, I think, and I find in my own life is doubt. Self-doubt, reality doubt, future doubt.
0: I mean how do you how do you weaponize spontaneity? (laughs) Yeah,
1: how do you weaponize hey, that might be the title of a forthcoming book, How to Weaponize Spontaneity. I think it's a beautiful thing. And I'm not sure you can. Another thing that I often think about is how ill-structured the corporation in its design is to deal with the future. I mean, they are in essence, outfits to do the same thing every year a little bit better than last year. So the things that become the future are often born, we talked about jokes, drunkenness, academia, failure, mishaps, government, misspendings, I mean, they come from a very non-corporate side and later on gets, well, I think the identity politics word is a well,
0: arguably, the function of most companies is not creating ideas, it's no. to commercialize them at scale.
1: Yeah, make it big, broad, safe, useful, affordable.
0: I, I've i long avoided thinking and talking about Tesla because I just feel like it's become a mantra for yeah, which means nothing. It's no. like summoning Steve Jobs and forgetting what yeah. we who, who and what he actually was. Yeah. But the one thing that did occur to me the other day was that, you know, that domain of big science, you know, of going to the moon and, you know, m- you know, moving massive amounts of money to solve very difficult problems, which would then propagate to other fields. Yeah. It's been taken over by private enterprise. Right. I, I mean, whatever Elon Musk figures out about how to mold and shape aluminium in rockets applies to cars sure and and what they discover with algorithms to program batteries can apply to a whole number of other different functions so there's there's, yeah. there's an element of scaled up ingenuity as well as well as these accidental things
1: yeah and well i mean so when i read elon musk's excellent biography um you ultimately realize it's just a guy i mean he's clever he works really hard. He's unafraid of losing certain things. Or, that or, or
0: betting everything on something.
1: Betting everything, he's a big group. Bigger. But mm. there are other people, like, I mean, he, there's not just one Elon Musk. No. Um, which, which should help. A friend of mine works as a supplier for Tesla. I think it's good to keep it a little bit anonymous. But the cars, and I think specifically here the Model X, it's a little bit misbuilt. Were it not for the things that my friend's company supplies, the, the wing doors would fall apart fairly quickly. So they've really done it in that kind of American. Here's the idea, here's the concept, let's deliver. It doesn't really matter if it it's a little bit you know crooked and so on. Let's just get it out there. Whereas the, the German way would always, yeah, we have uh, 40 years of insight into how to make platform measurements, and you make it very precise and it's built upon these small steps over a long period of time. And finally, I think the whole space thing, I worked with the Swedish Space Corporation and they said, well, SpaceX SpaceX is just one of thousands of these small private things going on right now. And one of the most interesting things they said is the whole secondary payload market. It's been dubbed Uber for space. You can if you come up with something that you want to hook onto the side of a rocket. I think it's a couple of thousands of dollars, maybe even ten thousand.
0: Like a little
1: nano sap, so. Yeah, I mean, take the. Sh- it's in essence the size of a of a, of a wine bottle. Yeah, it could be a, a nano sack, Could be a camera. Could be anything, and that opens up in a whole new market for services from space. So the way they would say, well, we could for instance have real-time parking space um, monitoring. But that's also their kind of, we have no idea, so we always use this as a default idea. Because we we, people don't know yet what we're going to use it for and see it. So I think it's um, liberating. I don't know, that was my, I'm worried. I'm worried that I'm always worried that we get stuck in the headlights of something, um, and it's easy to, to to think that Tesla is like an army waiting to attack, rather than an inspirational totem pole telling us that you could do it too. Yes.
0: Yeah. And and, and the very serendipity and spontaneity of great ideas sometimes just needs not only that that belief but. Sometimes yeah, a little scale and in investment and Yeah. You know, I guess. But investment, have- I
1: mean, capital is so cheap now. Yeah. And that I think is a, is a problem. I mean the reason
0: There's we, too much capital chasing too few ideas. Yes,
1: exactly. And and which has been said many times, which is also why we pin these huge halos on just a handful of companies, because they have yeah. a little bit of an idea. And I think it's um, we could be doing better at this. We should get drunk more often in Florida. We should sit in rural Danish studios with people we don't like to try to compose songs, or we'll just have a Friday afternoon play session to see where things go. Because I, I think a fellow Australian, um, Nick Cave, says it beautiful um, in his documentary maybe it's a mockumentary, the 20,000 days on earth, that you have, um, you you know, you you, our days are numbered, we cannot afford to be idle. Sometimes an idea is just like a small flickering light in the dark, but they can lead to great things, all held up by the tiniest of ideas. And I think that inspired me so much to hear him say that. And... Um, I know I I feel so um, sad about the cave's loss. I feel I want to hold him now and say thank you for that. What can I do for you?
0: I'm sure he is not listening. (laughs) Magnus, it's been great having you on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. You've been listening to Between Worlds, For more episodes and information on how to subscribe to our podcast, please visit www.mike-walsh.com slash betweenworlds.